Hey everyone, welcome to the Gatekeepers Podcast. This message on evangelism was given by one of our college outreach leaders, John Padilla. If you want to know more about Gatekeepers, visit gatecityatl.com slash gatekeepers. Enjoy. So, like I said, I feel, I really feel strongly like I do have a word for us. I've been moved by this word um, really the past four years since I've been saved. I would say that this is something the Lord spoke to me very early on, and I didn't actually understand what it meant. And it's just kind of been stirring like deep inside of me, and I'm just now starting to grasp what exactly it means and what exactly he's saying um, and what exactly like those prophetic words, those visions, things that he's shown me in the secret place, what it means. So um, today we're going to be talking about evangelism, evangelism, missions, and outreach. And depending what side of the spectrum you are, that either is hurtful, and that's either like, man, I feel a sense of duty and obligation when I hear that, and it's a little unhealthy. Or if you're like, if, you're, you, if you are that person, you're like, yeah, you're, you're a person that clapped. You're like, yes, evangelism, missions, outreach. But some people actually feel the complete opposite and they feel like, man, like, why do I want to do missions if my heart is not even in the right place? I feel like I'm just doing it. So I, I want to address both groups of people. I want you to know that um, with evangelism, missions and outreach, there are those two types of people in the room. There's the people that feel like it's an obligation and feel like, man, I actually don't actually really enjoy doing this. And it makes me a little uncomfortable. And then there's the people that are just like, man, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to go to neighborhoods. I'm going to go tell people about Jesus. And, and I want to address those both groups of people. And surprisingly, I'm actually the first. I actually feel, even to this day, a great sense of uncomfortableness whenever I preach the gospel, whenever I share with people. Um, and I feel like there's this five negative thoughts that I have, right, with evangelism that people give to evangelism. If you didn't know, evangelism is the preaching of the gospel. It's actually going out and preaching the gospel to people, to specifically lost people. And there's five negative thoughts that come with evangelism typically. A lot of people feel a sense of duty. They feel like, man, like, like an unhealthy sense of duty. Like this person's telling me to preach the gospel. They're telling me to get out of my comfort zone. And, and I'm not necessarily feeling filled. My cup doesn't feel overfilled. So they feel an unhealthy sense of duty. They feel like, why are you trying to tell me to do something I'm not passionate about? Two, People feel it's kind of duty and obligation. It's like they feel like yeah, it's an obligation. It's feel like the church is telling me to do evangelism, but out of my heart, it's not actually moved by it. Three, people will use the excuse as I'm introverted. I actually don't say much. I am not spoken. I don't have the charisma. I don't have the ability to walk up to someone and say hello. So people will use the excuse, man, I'm introverted. That's, that's for the extroverted people. That's for the super bubbly, charismatic people that only they can do it. Four, it's not my gifting. It's not my office. You'll hear this a lot. People are like, man, you know, that's, that's not what I do. I'm more of a shepherd. I'm more of a, I'm more of a teacher. I'm more of whatever. You know, I'm not an evangelist. And people will say that and they'll be like, it's like, what? Well, what does the scriptures actually say? Five, 
People will say, man, that's for the super zealous Christians. That's for the people that are in the front. That's for the people that are raising their hands. That's for the people that, you know, they, they're, they're super zealous. They're dancing. That's false. I'm here to tell you all five of those things are false. God wants to use all of us to reach the neighborhoods. He wants to use all of us to reach the workplace. He wants to use all of us to reach our schools. So in this outline, I'm going to cover four different things. And I want to tell you that I'm not trying to push that unhealthy, uh, that unhealthy assignment on you guys. I don't want you guys to actually go out here today and evangelize from a place of unhealth, from, from not being healthy. I want you guys to be filled with the love of God that is overflowing inside of you, that you're actually preaching the gospel from an overflow, that you're not feeling like there's a sense of duty, that you're not feeling like evangelism is the way that you're getting saved, that you're not feeling like, man, I have to get five souls today, man, I have to preach the gospel to my school, man, I have to preach the gospel to the hospital or whatever, wherever you're working at. I don't want you guys to leave here today feeling that that unhealthy aspect that, man, like, if I'm Unless I don't evangelize and I'm not a Christian. And I just want to make that clear off the bat. But I, I feel like I want to give in boldness. I actually want to empower us to do this from a place of health. So in today's outline, we're going to be covering four things. Scriptures specifically that tell us God's heart for the lost. And I want to just skim past those. In case you guys don't know, if you, if you guys haven't gotten in your word, I want to lay out clear scriptures displaying God's heart for the lost. Two, I want to actually talk about how Jesus' heart, he was actually moved. He had felt different emotions for the lost people. Three, I want to talk about how Jesus commissioned us to love each other. He actually commissioned us to love other people. Then four, I want to talk about practicals. Sometimes you leave a message and you're like, man, that was so good, but how do I apply it? How do I apply it, apply it to my weekly, daily life? Luke 19, 10. So we'll be covering biblical evidence for God's heart for the lost, for lost souls and people. Luke 19, 10. Easily can be described as Jesus's mission statement. You know how many churches, they have their mission statement. They have what they're doing, their assignment. Luke, this scripture can be applied to Jesus's mission statement, why he came. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. One more time. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Why did Jesus come? For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And again, you might be feeling a little bit, something rising inside of you. It's like, man, this is another dude trying to tell me I need to get out there and evangelize. I, I, I'm not trying to put that unhealthy pressure on you. I really ain't. Hear my heart. Before I move on forward, I want you guys to know I'm not speaking from a place of I got it. I'm not speaking from a place of you know, I'm an evangelist or whatever. I, I, I don't want to portray something that's not true. And I want you guys to understand that when I'm speaking, I'm speaking in an area that God's currently dwelling, like dealing with in my heart. 
So I don't want you guys to see me as something that I'm not. I want you guys to see me as one of your brothers, that this is what the Lord's currently dealing in me. And I want you to hear me from the aspect. I don't want you guys to hear me as me telling you to do something. Luke 15, one of the passages that like completely moved my heart. How many of you guys have heard the parable of the lost sheep? So I got saved in the internship three years ago and went back to college. I'm a couple years, a uh, couple weeks saved. And I'm in my anatomy two class. About to be a nurse, about to get accepted into the nurse program. I actually did get accepted to the nurse program at GGC. I was gonna go next semester, sitting in my anatomy two class. And I had gone discipled enough to the place where, you know, God, read your Bible. So I downloaded my little Bible app, and I was doing devotions in the morning. And that devotion that day was Luke 15. And it said, I leave the 99 to go rescue the one. Suddenly, something rose up inside of me. Something had rose up inside of me. I said, Jesus, you're not leaving me. I, you know, that's not all what the scripture means, but that's how I took it in the moment. Jesus, you're not leaving me. I'm going with you. And I knew what I needed to do. And I went to our global program and I completely, I just knew that that scripture completely moved me. And I don't know why. It moved me that the person I claim to follow, the person that I obey, the person that I love, the person that's my God, the person that I follow, leaves the 99 to go rescue the one. I'm like, Jesus, I'm going to go with you. I'm just going to go see what you do. I want to be around you, Jesus. I want to be around the person of Jesus. I want to see how you're moved by these lost people. So I later on went to North Africa. I served in the underground church there. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah, it was completely horrible. I was just a couple weeks saved, and I'm, I'm out there. And it was actually my first time being so sober. It was horrible. I'm like, why am I out here? Then I come back. And uh, the Lord speaks to me and he says, man, you need to go to Mexico. You, need, you, you don't need to go to the nice part of Mexico like Cancun. You need to go to the rainforest. I want to send you there. And I want you to see these 13-year-old, 12-year-old girls that are pregnant with their stepfather. I want you to see that, son. And, and little did I know, the Lord was actually stirring something inside of me then. Because if you guys don't know, I actually grew up without my father. I've never known my father. And my mother worked three jobs, so I never saw my mother. So I had grew up with this persona. I, am a, uh, like I have an older brother and a younger brother. My older brother, he was out and about. You know, whenever he'd come, he'd do drugs. He would do whatever. He'd have parties. But besides that, I was my free man. I was free to do whatever I wanted to do. And for the first time in my life, when I was in college, the Lord had spoke to me and said, you're not doing what you want to do anymore. You want to, you're going to come with me. I'm going to show you what I do. So when I was in Africa and then when I was in Mexico, I was starting to realize how selfish I am. And I make my own decisions and I do what I want to do. And I go where I want to go. But for the first time in my life, Jesus was showing me, you are my son. You go where I go, son. Why is that important? Luke 15 says, so Jesus told him the story. If a, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? 
Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one until he finds it? This is the character of the man that we follow. When one sheep goes away, he leaves them immediately. He leaves the 99 with urgency. One sheep, there's 100 sheep, one of them leaves. The man that we follow, the man that we claim to be our God, he leaves, he runs, he goes, and he searches for that lost sheep with urgency. I am provoked in my heart because when I see someone here who's not, wasn't, who hasn't been here in five weeks, I don't think that way. I don't think that way. Where's Jimmy? I haven't seen him in five weeks. I don't. The man that we follow, he's selfless. He cares about everyone. So if we claim to follow this man, shouldn't we be like him? If we claim he's our father and we're sons and daughters, shouldn't we be like him? Luke 15, 8, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coin and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? Think about this. This woman has 10 coins. She loses one. With urgency, she's trying to search for the coin. Where is my coin? Where is it? Where is it? She's searching. She lost one. 10 out of 10 is complete. 9 out of 10 is incomplete. She realizes that it's incomplete and she searches with urgency. Where's my coin? Is it underneath here? Where does it go? Where did it go? Where did it go? This is the character of the man that we follow. That when, when it's 10-10, he feels a sense of unity. He feels a sense of completeness. But when someone is gone, it's on his heart. He's, where is that person? Where is Jimmy from last week? This is the character of the man that we follow. And I'm telling you again, I'm, I haven't arrived in that place, but I'm convicted in my soul because this is the character of the man that we follow. This is who he is. When someone doesn't show up to church five, six weeks in a row and he ghosted everyone and he's out there drinking and he's out there doing whatever, or maybe he's just out there. What's on Jesus' heart is where is he? Why hasn't he come? I want to prove to you guys that Jesus, he actually felt different emotions for the lost. We read the Luke 19, 10 scripture where it says, what was Jesus' mission statement? For the Son of Man came to seek, save those who are lost. The person of Jesus felt strongly for people, different emotions. And I want to show it to you guys. Luke 15, 2. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So get this. The Pharisees came up. Who's this man that claims to be God? Who's this man that does wonders? Who's this man that preaches? He's even sitting with people who are lost. He's sitting in fellowship and eating with them. It says that Jesus was eating with lost people. Now, eating isn't how it is today. When you eat with someone, that means you're communing with them. That means that you're sharing with them. And it says that Jesus was actually eating with them. 
He was sitting across from him. He was, he was, what's up? What'd you do today? To people who are not saved, to people who are sinners. Why? Why was he doing that? Jesus, he healed the sick in love. Matthew 14, 13 through 14. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in the boat to be in a remote area to be alone. Man, there's times I, I love my alone time. I resonate with this verse so much. Like, man, yeah, even Jesus, he was alone. I'm like, man, I, I got you, Jesus, me too. I need to be alone. But get this, but the crowds heard where he was headed and they followed him on foot from many towns. So Jesus went to be alone and the crowds heard, where's Jesus going? Where's Jesus going? Who's this man who's doing miracles, who's preaching the gospel, who's raising the dead? We need to follow him. And so they didn't just follow him. They followed him many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and it said that he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now that word compassion in Greek, it means slagshon, which means like pity, passions, sympathy to the, to the bowels and intestines. So when it said that he stepped off the boat and he saw the multitudes coming around him. Now remember, Jesus, he wants to be alone, but he saw the multitudes gather around him. And it said that Jesus, he had felt this compassion where he was sick to his stomach and he saw the multitudes gather around him. And he, now remember, he went to be alone because Jesus, he wanted them some alone time. But the crowds came and they gathered around him and they said that he had compassion on him to the point of sickness to his bowels. Like he was, oh, he felt an emotion. He was like, man, these are my sheep. He felt that. I don't feel that. I don't. I'm so concerned with what I'm going to wear. I'm so concerned with where I'm going. I'm so concerned with my calendar. I'm so concerned with my immediate friends. But Jesus, he felt this deep emotion inside of him. He said, my people, they're gathering around me. Let me get out. Let me, let me heal the sick real quick. The story of Lazarus. This is powerful. John 11, 33 to 35, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled within him. And he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. The most powerful scripture, in my opinion, says, then Jesus wept. So this man, Lazarus, has just died. Like, hey, go get Jesus. Jesus takes three days to get there. When Jesus gets there, he sees this lady crying. And it says that Jesus, he had felt a burning anger inside of him. And then he actually started crying. Jesus had a burning compassion in him that led him for tears for the lost. He had cried for the lost. He had felt 
something strongly. It said that he shed tears. The person of Jesus, man in the flesh, like God in the flesh who created the universe, who created everything around us, he had literally cried for the person that was dead. He had cried for the lost. And I'm convicted to my soul because I don't cry for the lost. Again, I'm concerned of what I'm going to wear, my calendar, what I'm going to do today. When am I going to hang out with my friends? Person of Jesus, I'm so convicted to my soul because I'm not like him. I'm convicted to my soul. I am not like him. So that he cried. Jesus, think about it. Like, like, just let that settle. The person of Jesus cried over the lost people. Jesus fed the hungry in love. Matthew 15, 32. Now, why am I showing these scriptures? Again, I'm showing these scriptures to tell you that Jesus, he had felt different emotions for the lost. He actually felt something. He wasn't just, you know, again, his mission statement, right? For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus wasn't actually just gathering people just to gather them. He wasn't just actually growing his church just to grow it. He wasn't actually just growing his kingdom just to grow it. The person of Jesus was actually moving of compassion. He was moved. He shed tears. And I'm convicted to my soul because the modern day church is just trying to grow without actually moved by people. They don't have a burning love for people. Matthew 15, 32. Then Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days. And they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, for they will faint along the way. What was the key phrase there? Jesus, he actually felt sorry for people. They were walking with him for three days. And it said that he actually felt sorry for them. He said, these people don't have anything to eat. Multitudes were falling around him. That was a scripture that they raised the bread and miracles happened. He was moved from signs and wonders, from a place of feeling sorry for people. He said, that's literally what the scripture says. He says, I feel sorry for these people. He was telling his disciples, I feel sorry for these people. They don't have any food. I feel sorry. He was moved. Jesus, he preached the gospel in love. He teached from a place of love. Mark 6, 34, Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped off from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So Jesus, he's on the boat. He sees the multitudes gather around him. He says, these are so many sheep. They don't have a shepherd. They don't have a shepherd. They have no one to teach them. He stepped off the boat and he started teaching the multitudes. He wasn't teaching the multitudes out of, the, out of just the sake of teaching the multitudes. He saw them as a sheep without a shepherd. He saw, he saw them as people that would stray away. He saw them as people that were just regular people. And he was gushing at them. He was like, man, these people, they have no shepherd. They have no one to lead them. And he preached the gospel from that place. So when we're talking about the lost and we're talking about evangelism, we're talking about outreach, I have to question my motive. Is my motive to just grow or is my motive actually motivated by love? 
And I have to go to the secret place. I have to, I have to ask the Lord, Lord, teach me how to love people. Teach me how to sit across from someone who I, I don't know. Teach me how to eat with them. Teach me how to not see people as projects. Not just see someone as a disciple. That's my disciple. Teach me how to not use people. Teach me how to not see people as numbers. That's what he's been teaching me. And as we're on the move, and as we're on a mission for GGC, and as we're doing outreach, I tell you it's vanity. It's vanity if there's no love for people. It is completely vanity. It is useless. It is like mud if there is not a burning desire in me for love, for the people that we're channeling, for the people that are coming here. If I'm not willing to go to Burlington with someone from GGC and let's, let's just go, let's go, I need to get me a coat. It's about to be winter time. If that's not burning inside of me, then I, I don't, like, what is my motive, really? Is my motive just to grow? Is my motive just evangelism? Is it just to see numbers? Or am I motivated by love, like how Jesus was? He was moved with different compassions, different emotions. 1 Corinthians 13, 2. This is a key point. I want you guys to get this. If I have a gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secrets and possessed all knowledge, if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. So if one day, praise be to God, there's 300 people, we're deep, we're deep here, and there is a bunch of young people, and we're worshiping Jesus, and we have five houses of prayer, and we're doing all these great moves of God. In GGC, we have actually seen a thousand people saved, but there's no love. It's vanity. It means nothing. If I'm not willing to sit across, clear my schedule, be present, Behold the person right in front of me. It's vanity. We're going to do a math equation. You ready for this? Someone tell me what's two plus two. Four. What is the first commandment plus the second commandment? Uh, but what is, uh, I got that. What I'm saying, treat it like a math equation. Two plus two is four. What is the first commandment plus the second commandment? What does that equal? So the first commandment, love God. I love God of all my soul, mind, and strength. The second commandment, love others from a place of loving God and in a second place of loving others produces the great commission. Unless you have a love for people, the great commission, you are just doing tasks. You are just doing a, a duty. You are doing an obligation. You are not operating in the second commandment. If you're just gathering people, you're just evangelizing, you just have a heart for the lost, but you don't actually love that person, you are not you just need to question your heart. I don't, know, I don't know what to say. Just question your heart. 
When you love God, first commandment, you love people, second commandment, it produces the Great Commission. So when you love God, and then you actually start to love people, you create a little family. With the little family, you realize that family is so good, it's so rich. My friends, they're the best friends ever. You start to have this burning thing inside of you. Like, man, someone else, they need to experience this community. They need to come and, and feel what I'm feeling. That produces the Great Commission in a healthy way. Then evangelism becomes simple. Because I'm not telling people out of a place of duty. I'm not telling people out of a place of obligation. But I'm actually telling people, because like, hey, come the gatekeepers. It's so fun, man. I experience Jesus here every Thursday. And I don't feel like it's a duty. I don't feel like it's an obligation. But what has to happen first? We have to love each other. Why do we do food every Thursday? Why do we spend a good chunk of change every Thursday? <laughs> it's because we desire to build family here. We desire to build friendships. We desire to sit across from the person from GGC and just, how are you doing, man? Like, what's your name? And actually get to know them. Look in their eyes and see them the way that God sees them. I'm not there. My heart, so selfish, so prideful, cares about my own way, demands its own way. That's so easy for me to see someone that's uncool, write them off and go talk for the person that I'm already familiar with. It's so wicked, right? Yeah. It must be only me. Uh, maybe only I think that way. But it's so easy for me to think that way. And I have to remind myself, like, Jesus, he doesn't do that. Jesus, he's like, man, who are you? I haven't seen you before. What's your name? And he's not looking at them as a project. He's not looking at them as a disciple. He's not looking at someone as a number. He's not looking at them as someone who just got added to the roster list. He's not looking at them as, man, one day they'll be up there doing something for me. He's just fascinated with them. He's like, I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. John 15 Verse 9 to 13, you guys, most of you guys have heard this verse. I've loved you even as the Father has loved me. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things, that you will be filled with joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay, excuse me, lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus, he had a deep love for his disciples. He had such a deep love for his disciples. He had lived life with them, camped with them, drank wine with them, went to festivals with them, preached the gospel with them. In Matthew 10, he sent out, he sent out Judas. He said, go preach the gospel, Judas. Just go. 
commissioned him. He spoke into Peter's life. He says, Peter, you who are fishermen, I'm actually going to build my church upon you. He gave them destiny. He had a deep love. He washed their feet. He served them. He empowered them. He says, this is what I've, I've modeled this to you, Peter. I've modeled this to you, John. I've modeled what love looks like. And I'm actually now, when it says Matthew 28, the Great Commission, where he says, go and make disciples of all nations. He's not saying, go and do Bible studies. He's not saying, go and, and you know, preach the gospel. Go, you know, step on a, on, a, on a thing and just go radical. He's saying, I am commissioning you to love people. Is that part of it? Yes, I'm not trying to diminish that. But I'm saying, go and love people the same way that I've loved you. I want you to demonstrate that love to someone else because your love is overflowing. Does that make sense? And I, I just want to say again, like I'm not trying to force us in an unhealthy place to go and evangelize and do outreach and mission. I realize that's a point of tension for some people. Maybe you felt hurt for mission and I, I want to acknowledge that. And maybe you felt like the church has tried to pressured you to do mission without actually showing you family first. It's not mission only, and it's not family only. Because if it's just family, what, it, we're just friends. We're not doing anything. If it's just mission, I'm not actually connecting with you. You're not my family. It's family on a mission. We're a family, and we're doing this mission together. And we're committing to every person that we see, we're going to love them extravagantly. We're not going to see them as projects. We're not just going to see them as someone who, man, one day they're going to, you know, one day they're going to do something. They're going to serve for us. They're going to do production. They're going to be a worship leader for us. We're not just seeing them as, as our disciple. Man, I'm doing Bible studies with this one dude, and, and yeah, they're growing. We're not going to see them that way. We're going to see them as people. We're going to love them. We're going to welcome them to the family. We're going to welcome them to our house. We're going to go roller skating with them. We're going to go to the fair with them. We're just going to include them. Come, man, I want, I want to do life for you, bro. I want you to be included in my life. I want you to hear my heart. I want you to be a part. What do you think I should do, bro? What do you think? I, I, wanna, I want that level of love for people. But it first starts with us being a family. Developing that culture of family and then just adding people one by one, including people one by one. And if that's you, if you feel hurt for mission, if you feel like the church has just overemphasized mission, and you've never you feel like you've never gone discipled, you've never been part of a family, I want to apologize. Like I, I, I acknowledge that. Like I really like, I'm sorry. Even if it wasn't me, I'm sorry. Who we are here at Gatekeepers, we want to produce family. I want to have a deep love for each and every one of y'all. I want to have a deep love for each and every person that comes through those doors and every new person. And I want to be filled with joy. Oh my gosh, bro, you're going to do that? That is awesome. I want your victories to be my victories. I want your losses to be my losses. I want your hurts to be my hurts. I want your wins to be my wins. 
But I want to commission us all to do that. And I want to commission us to be a family on a mission. Can we do that? Well, that's all I got. Quick practicals. We don't need to do worship. It's cool. Um, I used to staring at me. I told her earlier we did need to do worship, but uh, um, I had like this layout prepared and really just spoke from the heart because I, I really feel like this is what the Lord is dealing in me and especially as I've done as I've been doing ministry for a couple years now. It's so easy to see people as as numbers, as projects. And as, you know, growth, we believe the Lord has told us we'll see revival in this house. We'll see 10% of GGC saved. And it's so easy to get in that unhealthy place where it's, you're, just, you're just caring about the numbers. And the Lord, he's, he has been convicting me. He has been slamming me in the prayer room. And he has been, son, I, I, I love people. I actually really do love people. And I, I want to commission us to do that, really. Let's, let's, from today forward, let's make a vow, not in a weird culty way, but like let, let's, let's make a vow to like love each other. Maybe vow is a, a wrong word, um, but commitment, there you go. Sorry, my English is bad. But let's make, let's make a commitment to like love each other in a greater way. Let's love each other. Let's let our love overflow for people. And let's create a place where we can invite the lost person, where the lost person doesn't come just one week and like, no one talked to me. Can we do that? Thanks so much for listening. We hope that this message ministered to you and that the Lord met you. You can follow us on Instagram at GatekeepersATL. We'll see you in the next episode.